Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Water Cooler Podcast. My name is Marley, and I'm joined by Cameron, as always. How are you doing, Cameron? I'm good. And uh, Ryan from Old Man Orange, back again to Hello. talk Thanks. about... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's kind of like every every time we on my show, whenever we introduce... And Marley, oh, oh, Marley hey, oh, just, we just had that thing. It's just something happens. Whenever we get on a microphone together, it just happens that way. Right, especially when we're... Uh on zoom or Zencaster or whatever we record on, not like when we're in person or anything like that, but, but yeah, how you, how you, how are you, you guys doing today? I'm good. I'm doing pretty crack, good myself. Cracked open uh, a beer. What, what kind I'm of beer? Jill fat tire, amber ale. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's come, it's become my, uh, my favorite beer. Definitely. Nice. Uh, I'm not drinking a beer right now, but if I did, I would be drinking a uh, new glory at uh, this mind shaker, uh, this mind shaker series. It's a hazy IPA, but yeah, shout out to new glory Ooh, Look, local Sacramento. IPA. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, this week has been not so eventful unless you were trying to secure a PS five or Xbox series X. But <laughs> did any of you, uh, secure like, my, a console or do you care? My roommate did. Um, oh, he what? busted it out <laughs> on Friday. Uh, I think he got it delivered. Actually, mm-hmm. he, he ordered two of them, um, just to be uh, like, just to make sure he actually got one. And he's gonna sell one of them to one of his good friends. But uh, he uh, opened it up and he uh, started playing it on Friday. And holy crap, that console is huge! It's the, ridiculous. The, it's like it, I can't take it seriously. I can't get over how big the console is. Is it the PS5 or yeah, Series X? The PS5. Yeah, it's looks it's so ridiculous. Like even the box, like seeing like videos of like people unboxing, like the box of the PS5 is just like this is like it's a, a small PC. child. Yeah, it's a PC at that point. Uh but but what do you think? Like of him playing it like, like what uh, games i've only seen him play uh god of war i haven't really um seen next gen stuff yet of course the graphics are incredible right loading times are great um i'm really looking forward to getting my hands on a new xbox mm-hmm. and i i hear just the biggest differences between like my day one xbox one and the new series x primarily the loading screens are like instant yeah i feel like uh out of the because like, i obviously you would see like a graphic difference like with these new consoles but i feel like like for me like the biggest selling point would be frame rate and then obviously loading times like that's like that's what's going to make this generation for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, but, but Ryan, uh, did you, uh, did you secure a PS five or series X? I haven't, I got a lot of stuff going on right now. So I'm just like looking at that, like, Ooh, there, that, that's something I'm going to like, I, I just got to probably wait till later. It's probably a, where it's a little bit more easier to come by B where I got a little bit more money in my account coming in. So it's just one of those things where it's just like, I'll get it. I'll get it. But right now, the only thing that looks good to me on, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I like Xbox. I had my, I really liked the 360, but I didn't get an Xbox one. And um, the only thing that really jumps out to me right now is Spider-Man Miles Morales on mm-hmm. PlayStation five. And I still got to beat the first one because I was just, I was, I was procrastinating. I was like, I picked it up for like an hour. Like this is a fun game and I've yet to come back to it. So I still got to beat that. Then 
get this one. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Ryan. Like, I'm excited for Miles Morales, Spider-Man. But I've also haven't beaten the first Spider-Man just because I got, like, I think I'm, like, 80% of the way through. And there's just a point of that game where you just start fighting enemies that are just basically the same, and they look the same, and the entire screen just is just a complete mess. And I just got completely lost, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to stop playing this because it's just a little bit repetitive. Like, it's not it's not a bad game. Yeah. It's just, I, I find that happening a lot with, like, video games that I play, like, especially today. It's like, unless it's, like, a sports game, like Madden or, or like, 2K that I can just easily jump into. Uh, it, I don't know. It's yeah. just... I haven't been playing many... Um single player campaign games because of like it takes you a minute to like get comfortable with it mm-hmm. exactly well i um, notice um, even though it's probably not their intent i notice a lot of um open world games feel a lot more linear and less like though because before it was like you can go do whatever you want but now that we've done that it feels way more kind of linear like i'm gonna go over here and i'm gonna do one of three types of missions and once i go over here so it almost feels kind of like you're just killing time to a certain extent there's still a lot of open world games i like but that's kind of the vibe i get from a lot of them now mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good point because like i played red dead redemption 2 like this generation like so many hours of that and i found like like yeah that game's open world but it wanted me to do so many things in like a very specific way and like some of those things that it asked me to do like i received like a tutorial like er- way early on in the game like maybe an hour in and then it has me do like that same thing that it taught me like in like in the beginning of the game, like like I would say like twenty hours in the game, and I'm like I'm not I don't even remember how to do this because you had me doing so many things. It's like I don't know. Maybe that's just showing my age of just like I can't I can't uh, grapple like all these new newfangled technologies or something like that. But I don't know. <laughs> when I was playing old um, Red Dead Redemption Two. Um something about that game was for a while I was trying really hard to like make the camp happy and do this and do that and go hunting and give them food. Then I realized, wait a minute, this is a prequel. And before even getting to the end, I'm like, well, actually real talk. I haven't beat the game. Cause that's another game I took a break from and I'm going to come back to, but um, I'm just, I know it's not going to end well for this character because I know Dutch is the villain. This is a prequel and Dutch is the villain in Red Dead 1 and Arthur is not in Red Dead 1. So yeah. I can only imagine not, how not, this not. ends. Yeah. So <laughs> why on. am I going out trying to make all these guys happy? They're all going to try to been killing me or I'm going to kill them in a game later. So fuck it. I love right. that game. That is that is hands down the best um, story in a game I've I've ever experienced and uh, but i also i don't think i've ever been so um like involved in a game and so like uh i don't know i just i i just felt like a part of it but i was so hyped when it came out and it was like the only game i played for like a month i was playing it like four to five hours a day one or two number two too i mean i really like what i played i just got to pick it back up i was enjoying it just you know life it's such a beautiful game and the, the ending oh it made me cry there's also like a uh, multiple or like three different alternate endings apparently oh, okay. okay i was playing it simultaneously with one of my buddies and he was like a chaotic evil kind of a player 
and I'm sort of like a maybe chaotic neutral or just neutral kind of guy. And we uh, shared the uh, end scenes with each other, and they're they're definitely very different. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Like I like I didn't hate I don't hate Red Dead Redemption, uh, Redemption Two. It's just I don't know. I just found like some of the mechanics just like. I felt Arthur was like super slow and just like it. Rockstar is really good at making video games. I'll, I'll just say that. But I feel like at times, like especially like with Grand Theft Auto Five, like it's like their games are just a little bit too realistic. And I'm just like I'm playing a video game. I'm like I like I want like a sort of I don't want it can be be uh, completely simulation. It's uh, I don't know. It's a uh, it, like that stuff is cool. It's just like not throughout an entire game, but it's, uh, but that's just my opinion. But. There's also things in that one that aren't entirely as clear. Like when you first go and you kill like the legendary bear or whatever, and this is now take this to uh, someone who can make a suit out of it. And it doesn't, it's not exactly, yeah, I had to look that up. I, cause I went to where the thing said it was still very vague. Like there's no one out here. What the hell? And then like you, you're running and you like your horse runs over a rock in just the weirdest, slightest way. And then all of a sudden horse, like the horse falls over and dies. You have to kill it. And then like, all right, well, yeah. Yeah, and then you just go get another horse, and then that horse isn't tamed well, and then you have to tame it, and then you grow up bond with it, and then that horse gets shot in the face by by oh. Indians, and then you're just like, I'm like, oh, okay, like flashbacks. <laughs> I always, I have a habit of whenever I get like a horse or something like that, and like you know, Breath of the Wild, even though that won't fit in the name in there, or like Red Dead, I always name the horse Sir Psycho Sexy off of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hey. Oh my god, Sir Psycho, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i like that reference nice you get brownie points ryan i appreciate that yeah. that's, that's definitely my favorite band ever I, they're, I, they're I, my top five somewhere in there yeah and that yeah, album too just banger every song is a banger what's the red hot chili oh, sorry, go ahead. it's so every song it, like i i don't think there's a single red hot chili pepper song that i don't like oh well you aren't uh you aren't diving into their discography deep enough well yeah, they're definitely like, um they made four albums before they made blood sugar sex magic in the 80s and i'm i guarantee you off those four albums there are some songs that are a little like you know maybe you know i could skip this one <laughs> i can appreciate the weirdness of like mommy where's daddy i can appreciate the weirdness of that song but it's not exactly like let's jam out to this shit mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. Right, you know, I like uh, those first four albums still, but yeah, and, and uh, one hot minute too is a little. I really like one hot minute. I think that one's underrated. That that's just me though. It one hundred percent is underrated because John Frusciante is not a part of the group then, and it was Dave Navarro, and their their energy just kind of shifted to a little bit more uh, depressing because Anthony Kiedis relapsed for the umpteenth time. Yeah. For, we didn't have a the guitar player that was um, passionate about jamming. You know, Dave just wanted to, to make hits and make money, probably. And he was also an alcoholic. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, there's a few things to say about that. I have a lot Never of strong good opinions I'll just about say. that band. <laughs> but then John came back, and they made Californication and By the Way, which are, in my opinion, the most pure albums they've ever made. By the way, it's probably my favorite one, I think. It's so good. It's so melodic and beautiful. 
Yeah, I, I like "By the Way." "By the Way" is uh is was probably my favorite Chili Chili Peppers album. It's uh it's definitely up there. Uh, but like I to be honest, like one of their newest albums, like I actually like the one that Rick, uh, not the not Stadium Arcadium, but the next one. I'm with the you. one with Dark Necessities. I think that's I'm with. No, there's I'm with you, and then there's I forget what the next one's called, but there's one Dark with Necessities the, is the one after I'm with you. The, with the little girl and the bear walking yeah. the street. Yeah. The one with the fly on the pill came after, uh, was the first album they made without, or not, I mean, it was. Without Frusciante, it was like the new the guy. John, John left the band for the second time after they made Stadium Arcadium. And then they uh, brought up Josh Klinghoffer, who had been touring with them since By the Way started. And actually he uh, played with them. Uh, live during their stadium arcadium tour and then john left for his own reasons and they're like well the only guy that could replace john is josh who actually made an album with john separately from the chili pepper stuff i'm with you was a little weird to me but dark necessities was great it's that really so good. it's so good and come to th- come to think of it i don't think rick rubin produced that one wasn't mm-hmm. it like a edm artist i think like- it was the the uh the mouse dude or something yeah it, um dead mouse I'm, I'm pretty sure no it's, not dead mouse it or, was um i'm looking it up right now he he's one half of uh gnarls barkley danger mouse oh yeah danger yeah that's yeah right. so yeah. um he's a little bit more electronic but mm-hmm. so incredible news though uh that i just kind of the, the the chili pepper fan base is kind of unrevealing as uh well, John's back. John released or John uh, announced his return to the band last year. And we're kind of seeing them pictures of them in the studio. And it looks like Rick Rubin is producing their new album. And every album that uh, Rick Rubin has produced has been a chart topping hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, Californication, by the way, and Stadium Arcadium were all uh, critically acclaimed as their most successful albums. So I'm hyped. That's good to hear. I'm hmm. hyped. I'm, I can't wait for them to uh, release new music. Yeah. I, I used to be on top of this like no other, but then I, I don't know what happened. Because I would be keeping my eye to my ear to the ground of whenever a new album was coming out. It's like, oh, I got to get that so I can throw it on my iPod. But now, like Spotify's <laughs> thing, so I'd be like, "Oh shit! Oh, the heavy came out with a new album, or you know, or like just something like I just find out like going on there, you know." Yeah, Damn, but, I haven't heard the name the heavy in a while. I like them, like, you know. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if I said a lot about them, but I like the the albums I know of them. You know that that's a good point, Ryan, because like I, I feel like with the rise of like Spotify and like Apple Music, like I find it super hard to keep up with like artists that I care about because there's so much music like on on spotify at least with like 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 before like all these music for services came like i would just go to itunes and i would just buy like the album by itself but like spotify has like music discovery and like all these podcasts now and just uh and just uh, i don't know it's just there's just so much out there it's like all the stuff that you normally listen to just kind of gets faded to the back which I, I guess we can have like a whole podcast about what how Spotify is just kind of like stealing from artists and stuff like that, and how they're not paying them correctly. But 
but I don't know. It's yeah, they uh, get pennies on the dime with yeah. streaming. They don't make anything off of streaming. Yeah, it's, it's, streaming is just purely um, exposure. Yeah, and uh, they Spotify pays Joe Rogan like a hundred million dollars, but we won't go there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but I I just find that funny. It's like Spotify's like, oh, here's here's like fifty cents a, a song, or or I think it's like fifteen cents like a play or something like that. And then you you hear news about here's Joe Rogan on our po- platform now, exclusive. And guess how much we paid him? Yeah, that's John Gruden money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I don't know. That was a uh, that was quite a, a tangent. But um, uh, Ryan Ryan isn't only here just to talk about Red Hot Chili Peppers. But he's also here to continue our ongoing series with uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, to, this week we're talking about Batman Begins, which uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about this. So, uh, but Ryan, I would say you're I would say you're a Batman fan. Is, is that... <laughs> that that's that's fair yeah yeah that's, that's fair to say yeah like it, you do batman cartoons you do a batman comic you you did a few batman like short films so uh but yeah uh i guess we, we uh have you uh lead off with uh like what you think of what, what do you think of batman begins since you've obviously seen it before well uh well i guess you Truth be told, all right, so when I was a little kid, um, I liked Batman, and my knowledge was very baseline, like whatever the cartoons or the movies told me. And uh, be honest, by the time we were going to get Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, I kind of fell off a little bit. But I still liked, you know, the Justice League cartoon and the animated series cartoon. And then um, I never read the comics at that point because whenever I was a kid and I opened up a comic book, it would always be like some kind of elseworld what if type thing it always be like i open up super like dark knight returns like why are batman and superman fighting they're supposed to be friends you know or like i open up some other like an x-men book and wolverine kills cyclops or something like why is that happening oh it's an alternate future you know and then later i would actually read comics like this stuff always gets erased and redone like a few months anyway so it doesn't really matter if someone dies so but for that reason i didn't read the comics for the longest time then I saw Batman Begins and I was like, holy shit. It kind of like revitalized my fandom of the character or reminded me why I liked him so much. I kind of got that same vibe I got watching the animated series, but just more a little more grown up. And then um, like a day after seeing that, I actually went was going to visit my friend um, James, who I do Octo Rock Talk with. I was going to visit him like, let me get some books to read along the way. I'm like, you know what? Let me pick up some batman books so i picked up batman hush a comic i really liked and read it and just all right i guess i'm reading batman comics now because i'm addicted to this thing now so and batman begins i mean i was already a batman fan Batman, batman begins got me to turn to the comics and I haven't really turned away since nice uh uh but cameron uh what what do you think of batman begins is this you you said you haven't seen it in a while right yeah it, it's been a minute for me um I hesitate to say anything uh, negative about it. Uh, I think think the only thing I would say uh, before I watched it last night was it's a little forgettable. Maybe Uh, I kind of didn't remember the uh, elements of the film and, you know, they had, you know, dark Knight and dark Knight rises were so like 
um, huge when they came out, you know, of course I remember the details of those ones, but, uh, when I rewatched it, I was like, forgettable. Are you kidding me? Um, I think this movie is most, uh, symbolic of the trilogy and also like when it comes to Christopher Nolan compared to his last few films that we watched, like, holy crap, it's definitely the, uh, longest and the deepest. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you want to talk about like, yeah, the references and of the Batman being a symbol in pop culture or, or, or you want to talk about, um, the set and the production, or you want to talk about the themes and the symbols, which was really hits me, uh, in the core. Well, uh, well, from what I got from the, like the themes of this movie, like I, I've, I think this is like the third time I've seen it. And I love, I really love this film. I'll just, I'll, I'll, uh, start with that. But I feel like the themes of this could are actually pretty simple just because mm-hmm. like uh, the, Obviously, the main theme is fear because of uh, because Scarecrow is one of the main villains in this. And like, I think having like especially like uh, to have Christopher Nolan kind of start off with like uh, like a villain of Scarecrow and have a, like a theme of fear for like Batman. Because like when this movie came out, like superhero movies were it it, it was hard. It was hard to find like a like a superhero movie that would. Uh, kind of related them as like a regular human being like it usually like like superheroes were yeah. like they were larger than life and like they, they they couldn't do anything wrong the fact that in batman begins like you got to see like his rise and like struggle too and just his struggle with like fear of bats which which <laughs> which is funny it's because of who he is it's uh but um I, I just th- I just find humanizing like a superhero was just really uh, was was just really important. I'm like I applaud Nolan for like sticking sticking to that, even though out of all the like uh, superheroes, even though Batman isn't a superhero, he's more of a vigilante. Uh, he uh, uh, he's like the most human out of all out of all of uh uh, the really, comic book really heroes kind of the first uh movie at the time that did that when i think mm-hmm. of any superhero movies or in that genre before this film yeah it's a larger than life aspect kind of a feel you know yeah but, like uh, and then this one came along and it's like well what if batman was uh how would batman build himself into that uh uh identity in today's world in a real world not not a not a like a george clooney or michael keaton sort of sort of aspect with dr freeze and and it's less comical but but uh i don't know i don't know where i'm going you you said that scarecrow being um the main villain um i I would i would i would say graza ghoul is definitely the main antagonist he's one of them like I, I I wouldn't say I look uh, when I said main I probably misspoke but like he's because uh, uh, in all of Nolan's like Batman films there's there's never one villain there's always like two or three uh, but there's I, definitely I, one though that um, 
like parallels with Batman, though, right? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I don't know if Scarecrow really like counters him. He's just there as a pawn to serve Ra's al Ghul's uh, intention. Or uh, well, maybe Ryan would be able to like elaborate on this a little bit, just because I feel like out of all like Batman villains, like they're all pretty much weak. Like uh, like uh, from what I because from what I've seen, like from like playing like the video games, like Arkham Asylum, uh, I feel like hardly any of those villains can actually hold can actually hold like a uh um a storyline throughout the entire movie except for like joker obviously like joker is like obviously he's he's batman's like like sidekick in a way like it's like they, they go they go hand in hand well not not like that but you know what i mean so but, oh go ahead sorry uh, no go ahead ren mm. When it comes to Batman villains, this isn't me being like, oh, let me tell you some about Batman villains, all right? And I'm, you know, this isn't me trying to like fanboy out, but mm-hmm. I'll say something that they've done recently, like in some of the comics as well as most games, is they almost try to make it in a way where Joker is always the bad guy and every other villain is just kind of helping him out. And, and truth be told, I don't think Scarecrow by himself could really hold a movie. I, I th- He is kind of like one of the other villains they bump into in like a mission, or maybe he he's like a one or two issue kind of character. He never really has a whole lot of um, a whole bunch of uh, big, long arcs that go on. I'm sure they're out there if you look long enough, but um, like a character like, you know, Bane or Two-Face or Rajal Ghoul or even Catwoman or, you know, Hush even, I think those those are characters who can definitely hold their own movie. But I think it's also one of those things we're at that point now. Cause before it'd be like, you get the one villain per movie. Then I'm like, well, you get the two or the three villains. And I know some people don't like when there's that many villains in there. But I'm like, well, a lot of times the villains are, depending on how they're written, they, they are kind of disposable and they can be used that way for a movie, you know, depending on who it is, of course. You don't want to see like a character like uh, – like Joker or Raja Ghoul be like the sidekick that gets knocked out like three minutes in, you know. Mm-hmm. You're saying Rage, but they say Raz. And they, they kind of pronounced it Rage, and the, I mean, it goes Depends. back and forth. There's like a, this big debate, right. and I heard like the guy who made him say Rage out Ghoul a few times, like oh, I'll just take his lead. But Raz Al Ghoul makes sense too. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but. I I don't know. I just I just really love this movie. If I were to like find like a few like quirks about it, I found like after rewatching it like a couple of times, I felt like some of the dialogue was just a little bit too cheesy in a way, but I felt like it was intentional. Like like especially in some parts. Like um but it 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 just it it felt too much like a comic book movie where it's like uh I, I don't know, like characters like, um, like, but I almost feel like it was intentional in that way, just because Nolan, like when creating this film, he w- was ushering in a new era of like superhero, superhero films. Like, like, like I said, like you had like movies like Spider-Man that were larger than life. And then th- you get come out with Batman Begins where you completely ground the characters and it was almost like no one was like calling back to like those movies and also saying, Hey, this is what, uh, this is what, uh, superhero movies are going to be now. 
Yeah, this movie definitely uh, served as a big impact for future films and um, directors like John Favreau and uh, whoever did the uh, Wolverine ones has definitely noted Christopher Nolan and the Dark Knight trilogy to describe their projects, to describe their, uh, you know, Todd Phillips has too and, and you know, there's a whole a whole list of them. And I think very specifically John Favreau with Iron Man uh, is a huge impact because Iron Man sort of kicked off the MCU. And the MCU is definitely a mix of larger than life being very comical and colorful and also at, at the heart of it being very human and being very relatable. You know, we can we can relate to these main characters. We can relate to Bruce Wayne wanting to run away from his trauma to go find himself to go, uh, you know, possibly reinvent himself, whatnot. And uh, I, I love the first half hour of the film, the the first act where it shows him the beginning of his life and you're beginning to see the foundation of his character and um really specifically you mentioned it last podcast is when he's training with the uh, league of shadows that's what they're called right mm-hmm. yeah. um so good and it, and it really um like even after the first act i'm i'm always thinking about the first act in the next two ones and how how it relates and how it pushes the character forward and alternatively, how how Bruce's perception of of certain symbols change, like um, his climb of the mountain with the uh, the blue winter flower. You know, it's it sort of at 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 the beginning, it sort of is a symbol of uh, new life, perhaps. You know, and then when he gets to the top and he finishes his training or he's almost at the end of his training um he sort of has a turn on um the league of shadows uh true intentions you know it would seem it would seem like they're they're there to um move past you know corrupt bureaucrats to serve their own justice but they only want to bring darkness into a dark world and um and the blue winter flower too you know, it, it, it kind of it feels like precious a little bit at to beginning with. But then the, they use that to create the uh, the uh, what is it? The the drug that Scarecrow uses to. Toxin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like at first you think you think of the climb of the mountain and the League of the Shadows and the flower to be to be a good thing and to, to put light into this character. And then it sort of unravels itself to be. Uh, the opposite, not what you expected, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, especially like, like I feel like it's it's kind of weird to, to see like a turning point in like the first act. But like when he has to make that decision of like whether to go with the legal shadows and uh, and 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 uh, execute like this, uh, execute like the civilian and he chose he chooses he chooses uh, not to and i honestly forget like uh 
what he says in that moment. But like in that moment, like that's when you're just like, okay, this is Batman because Batman would just yeah. never kill anyone. Never kills. Yeah. You basically, you you don't make your you don't prove yourself any better than the bad guys, mm-hmm. you know. And Bruce wanted to do that. He wanted to kill his father's killer by a stroke of luck. Someone else did it, and he got out of that situation. And then Rachel um, slaps him too, and that sort of is his uh, moment of realization, you know. And and even like towards the end of the film where he has the uh, opportunity to to kill uh, uh, Liam Neeson's character. I love that line. I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. Yeah, exactly. I just I just love that line so much, where it's just like, he, he wanted to kill him so bad, but he's just going to leave it up for fate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the, the, we, we can just gush about this movie like all day long. I just didn't know... Or I completely forgot that Rachel was recasted. Yeah, uh, to Michelle Monaghan, I think. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Which I am actually kind of glad just because I thought Katie Holmes as Rachel was a little... I thought she was a little one note. I didn't... Like, I thought she... Uh, like, I don't know. I, I just... Does anyone know why she was recasted? I think it was, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but I think it was all the Scientology shit because she was oh. with Tom Cruise at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just found that like her performance in this was probably, I would say like, probably the weakest. Like I never really, like uh, I never really believed much in her character because I, I don't know, her, like I didn't really like see much emotion. Like, she definitely like didn't face. didn't have her own character development like um like the detective in Insomnia. Mm-hmm. In, in this film, in in my eyes, she kind of just felt like a character to push forward other characters. Uh, Batman, yeah, her character is woman. That's she. She's the woman. That's her character arc, really. Exactly. Uh, which I I guess like uh, not in all of Nolan's films, you would kind of uh in you would you would kind of see like the woman character a little bit like that, but uh, not in all of his films. The 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 female character is like that, but in in most of his films, which is I guess could be the the problem of like male male writers and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Not not trying to get all feminist or controversial, but it's just it's just something to to note. But I do notice world. that like oh go ahead, dude. Sorry, I just I was just putting a little side note to marley's comment oh okay um it's a man's world <laughs> to bring it back to per- words of praise i think they sing that song in there yeah um oh, what was i gonna say um i think the whole thing with uh, katie holmes's character it's not that she does a bad job playing the character and it's not that the character is necessarily like unlikable because you know she is she does have a goal she is very work focused the thing is she doesn't really have like the most personality we see of her is when she's a little kid that's a different actress Mm -hmm. and then like when she's that little nice exchange that she and bruce have when they're in his manner the first time they've seen each other since they were kids so aside from that she's just kind of like like, oh, Bruce, you're partying. You could be doing more. Anyway, happy birthday, you know. So it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like she's always just kind of like 
Oh, God, way to bring down the fucking mood, Rachel. But She's I mean, also just constantly to, nagging, just like all women. I mean, I no, feel just like kidding. there there were important parts that sh- that she her dialogue uh, pushed Bruce's character forward. Um, when she, I can't remember what part it was, but there were two there were two parts that were pretty crucial to me when she was questioning bruce's identity and you know you are this person on the surface you're on this person under the mask and then there's this third layer in the core you know and you like completely changed and whatnot and then when i like i can't remember the lines specifically it's but not who, it's not who you are on the inside it's what you do that defines you right like right and then he comes back you know he calls back to that when he's on the rooftop as batman and she's like who are you and all that and he's trying to figure out who she is who he is and then he says that line to her and um so yeah she doesn't have um any development but she her service was to uh develop bruce's character yeah, she she like pushes it forward, and you see that she's like no nonsense. She's not exactly a, a, even though he has to save her once or twice. She's not that much of a damsel in distress, but at the same time, there's just not much character to her. And I'm going to say, unfortunately, not really Katie Holmes's fault, but that's probably the weakest thing of the movie is her character, really. Yeah, she she's to put it in like chef terms, I I kind of see her as more of like seasoning, where she's just kind of like like uh seasoning up like all these other characters and just kind of pushing them along yeah because she she also does that uh, she also does that to a little bit for commissioner gordon too like and just kind of because like she she's she's a um is she the da if i'm not she or she's, she works the da yeah yeah uh so she definitely like i'm not sure i can't remember if they like interacted at all but um i don't know uh, I just kind of see her as just kind of like, like seasoning up like all these other, uh, all these other characters, but um, especially especially Bruce. But uh, but that's not that's not a bad thing. It's just like maybe like give give female characters a little bit more stronger roles. But I think I think she does more in the second movie. We got a different actress by then. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, don't I don't remember. The Dark Knight too much, so I'll be uh, excited to revisit it a little bit. But the thing that uh, the one thing I do remember a little bit about The Dark Knight, and the one thing that I do kind of have an issue here is that The Dark Knight feels like there's a lot of like showing and not uh, and not telling, and in this one you have a lot of characters kind of kind of explaining like their themes Mm -hmm. and just kind of like and just explaining like how they how they feel and stuff like that which is a little bit dis- disappointment just because you are watching a movie like I, the thing that like is probably the best example of the dark knight is the the opening the opening sequence mm. of just like you have like all these characters like interacting and they're not talking at all and that you you know exactly what's going on yeah and, I, I, I hear that definitely, yeah definitely feels like batman begins the dialogue um, will set the stage for the narrative, especially with Raza Ghul, you know, teaching Bruce Wayne about flat fear, you know, becoming the fear, uh, and really sort of tells me that uh, um, your fears and the trauma that you have kind of serves as as your identity, 
and Bruce definitely encompasses that. And uh, shit, I'm just, I'm just dark necessities are part of my design. You know, like that chili pepper. Nice callback. These <laughs> are part of my design. The song was originally for the soundtrack. But it, it got into legal trouble and they couldn't release it till a couple years later. Uh, right. More like a decade later. A decade later, really, yeah. It was, it was a really complicated contract. Right. Um, that, that's, so, that's so true, though. You know, and and I left this, when I finished watching this movie, I was like, you know, like I had a moment of reflection standing in front of a full length mirror <laughs> and, and just like, like, wow, what are my fears? And how, how do my fears um, push me? You know, how do they um, serve as a purpose to my identity? You know, and it's very, uh, I, lo- I love movies that do that. Mm-hmm. Um going back to what you said a little bit ago marley you said you felt like a lot of the dialogue was kind of forced um i i I kind of see what you mean i didn't think it was too forced i mean near the end of the movie when like the league of assassin or league of shadows plan is going into motion there that's where it does suddenly get a little bit more comic booky like excuse me i have a city to destroy you know like aha and my flying blimp almost you know but um aside from like that i felt like as this movie taps on a lot of themes that previous Batman movies never really did. And I feel like, you know, Tim Burton, when he was making them, he was more interested in telling the villain story and Batman just happened to be there and along for the ride. And he was just like, I'm different and I'm dark. (laughs) And then you get to the Schumacher movies. And aside from Warner brothers leaning over their, over his shoulder, making sure it's not too dark so they can sell a happy meal those feel a lot more of kind of like, I mean, Batman forever a little bit more, but, but like the original draft, but um, the other ones are more of just almost still kind of vehicles for the villains and trying. He's just like, I just fight crime. That's what I do. You know that. And this is like, I think the first one to actually do a little bit more deep dive uh, psycho uh, psychologically on Bruce Wayne. So yeah. I think having uh, Liam Neeson uh, saying like, explaining his philosophy and having Bruce being kind of like, Oh, okay. I get it up until yeah. it comes to killing someone. Sorry to cut you off. It's okay. It's like, I like, like that may be an issue that I have, but I feel like no, no one obviously did it intentionally where the dialogue was forced just because Batman movies before like this film, they were rather silly. Like you had like the Adam West, like, 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 I, I don't know whether you want to call it a phenomenon or just, just an embarrassment. And then you just kind of like all bat like you had bat nipples and then you, you had like, um, like Jim Carrey's, uh, Wait, the Riddler, how they're just kind of silly. Yeah. Cause it's the suit. The Batman Robin had nipples. What? The suit and Batman and Robin it... has nipples. The, I'm not the lying. Suit. The suit, the yeah, suit I has nipples. That. They're trying to make it look like Schumacher said they're trying to go with like like gods like 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 statues of Greek gods or something, but it just turned out like no, dude, it's, it's has nipples for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's good. just go back and watch watch those movies, Cameron. You'll you'll, you'll right. see. But uh, but like as I was saying, like it's more like it. Well, kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. But um, yeah, nipples do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like Rock is modern life. Gaze into my nipples of the future. Okay. Well, it's it's like this is this is the first movie to just kind of like 
obviously take this these characters seriously and oh, like geez. and like these and like the little um lines of dialogue that were super cheesy that was almost like a callback to uh to the movies that came before it just yeah. because this movie wouldn't exist really without without like like a batman movie to come before it but but that that's basically what i was saying so yeah. I see the I, I Google search Batman nipples. I see what you mean. <laughs> that <laughs> like no, I hope your safe search tight. is on. Um well, there's not not anything really uh okay. You know, I think too bad, but just don't go past um, page ten. That's probably where it starts to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the weird part of the internet. Um uh, but yeah. Um is there anything else that we, we that we need to say about this movie other than the fact that it's great? So uh, I I love the uh, color palette, mm-hmm. how it's really dark and gloomy. It really sets the tone. I think it's a good contrast. There's a lot of black and orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even though this movie kind of set the stage for most comic book movies to be black and gray and just I and do remember gloomy. as a kid. Like at the end of the film, when Gordon shows him the Joker playing cards, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god!" Like the whole—I I just remember the whole uh, audience in Sonora going like crazy, like, "Oh!" They all gasp, like, "Oh my god!" The Joker, and you know, right? Because that's like, like as, as I said before, like the Joker is like the, that one yeah. villain that quintessential just... Batman villain. Yeah, you just... it would just be really funny. This is like a. This is gonna be like. um another language to like most people, but it's just like someone leaves a little th- left a little thing for you. Like it's a magpie feather. It must be magpie. Like one of those off the wall, random villains. Most people forgot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone drew an a here for anarchy. It's anarchist, you know, just like these villains that nobody gives a shit about. Like, Oh really? I mean, you had an opportunity for Joker, but okay. Yeah. No, no throw him for a loop. Might, might as well. So, keep them on their keep them on their toes. Um, uh, was it gonna? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go, go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, I didn't know this when I first saw the movie, but after seeing the movie and going reading comics, um, I gotta say I'm really impressed with how much of they, this movie almost uses like the whole buffalo. Just about they don't just use the stuff, the obvious stuff. Like nearly every character, with the exception of Rachel and uh, Rugger Howard's character. Nearly everybody in this movie is in the comics one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, even like Detective Flass, he's a crooked cop who's in a couple of stories. That um, character was in Memento. I mean, that actor was in Memento. Do you remember that? He was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. At the, uh, the hotel, the motel. Yeah. I, I thought I was like, I thought he looked familiar. I'm like, he was the, the he was the clerk. So he's also in like Sons of Anarchy. He's like the snowplow guy in 30 Days a Night. All right. Yeah, I don't know his name, but yeah, um, they, like he's in the comics um, down to like uh, for a minute. Um, Rajo Gould's or Razo Gould's using the, the name Ducard and that here. Here's like an interesting like full circle around here uh, in the original like Sam Ham draft of Batman by Tim Burton. He was going to have flashbacks to his training and he was being trained by a guy named uh, Henry Ducard. And then he eventually gets disenchanted because he realized, oh, Henry Ducard is doing is like 
killing people and this and that. And cause he was like a, he was like basically a, um, a, a, a man hunter for like Interpol more or less. And he was an assassin on the side. And then uh, Tim Burton's like, I don't like that. And he took it out. And then later Sam Hamm went to go, uh, they invited him to do a st- help write a story in the actual comics. And he did. And that's where he brought in this whole plot point of one of the people that trained Batman. And then years later, that character would end up being the alias for Raz al Ghul in this movie. Sounds like Christopher Nolan uh, did his homework. Oh, yeah. Right. It just, it just, I just think it's interesting. Like the guy who, who worked on the, the uh, Batman 1989, his character wouldn't see the light of day until the Batman reboot. That's, that's crazy. So that's definitely like a six degrees of separation right there. Right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to trying to think like what else. Uh, we got the Prestige next. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Prestige. We got the Prestige next, which I haven't seen in about five years. Like I'm like it. This I I feel like this starts like a like a especially for like Nolan, like uh, starts like a, a love re- relationship with uh, Christian Bale because yep. he's in quite a few. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Batman but, Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. but all like four films within a six-year span, seven-year span. Right. But speaking of like love relationships, going back to Batman Begins, I thought it was a little bizarre and kind of uh, I don't know. It, there, there was definitely some tension there between Commissioner Gordon and and Batman. Like he's constantly like stalking him and stuff like that, and just like, and what are you implying? I, it, not <laughs> implying anything. I'm just saying, love like, Mister Gordon is kind of simping around a little bit. You think it's, there's a love triangle going on here between maybe? Gordon, Batman, and Rachel? That's what you said, Cameron. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm just saying, and and also I thought like that, that was kind of a weird turn where. Uh, when Batman like tells Commissioner Gordon to like drive his Batmobile, and just all of it, Commissioner Gordon Ooh. just is like he all of a sudden like just like becomes like an expert in driving like this this like tank this tank. I'm like, yeah, just an average human being can just hop in this tank and just drive it around and and like succeed and save the world. At the end of the day, uh, that's just me nitpicking at that point. But it's just like, did anyone find that a little bit bizarre? <laughs> I didn't find it bizarre because it is, it's like, it's, it looks like a tank, but it drives like a car. So anybody could probably figure, figure out how to drive it. Just all little tricks, like the boost and the, the guns. That's probably the thing. I like just, they just left little stickies. Like, don't push this. Don't push that. You know, the only thing I'm wondering <laughs> is like, what if you got to the point where he says like, little post-it what you, notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what, what if you get to the point where he says like, he says to him, can you drive stick? And he says like, no, he's like, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, that that, that would be a weird situation. Like, well, I guess Gotham is just that's like an alternate Gotham. ending right there, right? No more like, Dark nope, Knight, never no Dark Rise. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Really to the Wayne Manor, and there is no trilogy. Right. It, that that's one dark ending for like Nolan. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a Nolan ending. Goes just to like his no dad's graves, like mom, dad, I tried. Just goes back <laughs> in the house. Gordon didn't know how to fucking drive stick shift. <laughs> then, then you, 
and then uh um uh the, the, forget the name of the butler uh alfred. yeah alfred's just standing in the in the distance just a single tear just like crying <laughs> which uh i'll i'll just say like uh like throughout this entire film and even throughout the entire like trilogy uh, uh of of this is alfred just feels like he's going to cry the entire time like there there's so many points throughout like this entire trilogy i feel like with that being know. said i think he um that actor puts on one hell of a performance yeah for sure not or as discounting a side character it. you know mm-hmm. wow there's a lot of a yeah, there's a lot of emotion in his performances yeah bruce wayne's kind of throws him like doesn't re- he can't really throw him a bone like he freaking like he brings Rachel back to the Batcave and he makes freaking Alfred like freaking take out the trash. I'm like, okay, this freaking really old man, you gotta like, he has to like drag like this. Uh, she doesn't seem that heavy, but still, it's like he, Alfred's like super old. It's like, I mean, have you ever tried to carry a body around? Yeah, no, I've <laughs> never, have, right? yeah. well, I've, I've never really had to carry it. Well, I guess carrying my drunk friends home from the bar, but. But I've tried. Especially. I've tried. You know, I've wrestled with my friends, and it's, it's not e- it's not easy picking up a um a ragdoll body. You know, right? Who just decides to go limp, and and you have to like, yeah. Any anyway, anyways, the prestige, yeah, yeah has exactly. a significantly smaller budget mm-hmm. than Batman Begins, I which would be not too long ago. I wouldn't have suspected that. Um. I think I like that you mentioned that Cameron, just because I feel like this kind of sets like a like it sets like a tone, especially for Nolan, just because Nolan usually, especially now since after Batman Begins, he does like a bigger film, and then like after that, he usually does like a film like yeah, he 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 kind of not necessarily dumbs it down, it's or just kind of uh, he does a film for him, so it's like yeah, the pre- yeah. I'm just but, like uh, looking through all the other films he made after this, and mm-hmm. they all have incredibly huge budgets, except for The Prestige, which kind of makes sense. You know, there's not a lot of crazy shit going on, but like still. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to revisit it again. Uh, I that that has Christian Bale and then Wolverine in it. Batman yeah. versus Wolverine is what that movie is, really. Yeah, Wolverine would kick his ass. Who can pull? Uh, well, I can go either way. I don't know. I can go either way on that. Really, I mean, Batman's Wolverine a personal can regenerate. You know, like yeah, but I mean, head. I don't want to bring this one up. But Batman in the comics has beaten Superman, so I, I could see him putting some kind of trap for Wolverine. But at the same time, yeah, it's environmental. I, I could. It varies. It, it really enough. varies. I mean. If someone told me Wolverine would win, like I'm, I wouldn't debate it. But at the same time, I'm like, You're I can go either way. Woods, Wolverine, 100. percent Yeah. This, this sounds like we need to bring back that Death Battle show. Uh don't that show. <laughs> that's kidding. There, there, there's not a show that I don't think broke up more nerd friendships than that show. Like, yeah. no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. No, you don't really get it. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I really don't watch that. I mean, How about some... Celebrity Death Match? Nah. Y'all remember that show though? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I, I remember a little like bit. Like claymation though. boxing matches. I don't yeah. remember it being that funny. I remember there being like a, a couple of funny jokes here and there, but most of the time I just remember being kind of like, even as a kid, being kind of meh about it. Yeah, I that that was on like the same time as like Crank Anchors, right? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. around that time. I think I remember watching a little bit more Crank Anchors and Crank Anchors was hilarious. That was yeah, good. yeah, I really liked that. Such a good show. I love Special but, Ed. Yeah, <laughs> I got mail. Right. Yay. <laughs> Sarah Silverman, like talking, like calling an IT guy, and then like fucking masturbating over the phone. Like, then put in the output server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, stop, 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 stop. Oh my god. <laughs> can you can you watch that at all? Like, on I wonder if Comedy Dude. Central has it on their streaming service. But they most likely do. I'm, I'm sure you like you'll find skits on YouTube. Yeah, for probably probably just the entire season is just on YouTube. That's probably Chris Nolan's next big like project, Crank Acres, the movie. Yes, (laughs) I want to dive deep into the mind of a crank caller. Oh my god, (laughs) what is it that makes them do what they do? And with puppets still, starring Hugh Jackman and John David Washington. Most intense crank calls possible. That's that's when we just find out that Tenet is just that's it's just crank anchors. The movie. It might be. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it, yeah, I haven't seen it either. So me neither. So yeah, that's what I hope, we're. I hope when we get around to that, like in late December, um, it'll be the first time all of us watched it. Well, that's the goal. Yep. With, yep. with the series, but as hopefully it's the goal for like everyone listening too, but. But uh, I'm I'm definitely excited for it, and I I just find like this whole. Hmm? Will it be on video on demand by then? Uh, I think it's going to HBO Max on uh, December twenty fifth on Christmas. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, so subscribe to HBO Max now if you, especially if you got a free trial, because that shit will probably run out by by the time Tenant will. Be released. I'm so. just gonna pirate it. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, you, no one, no one heard that. Cameron's gonna legally buy this, and uh, he's gonna give money to Christopher Nolan. I have no shame, about... Marley. You no shame. No shame in being a pirate. Okay. Well, yeah, because you play Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves is my favorite game. Right. The the other day, I uh sunk this girl's boat, and she had a crap ton of loot. On, on it on the boat and she begged me not to take it i had no remorse i took it and i killed her oh my god it was my so biggest smile across your face in the process huh a faint smile across your face in the process <laughs> yep. it's your tears that bring me life <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean i only ever play that game to steal other people's shit it's well, isn't literally that, called you, Sea of Thieves. So. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're playing into the game's title. So, yeah. yeah, and people get mad at, at the, the the fact that I steal their shit, and I'm like, well, you know, you're you shouldn't play this game then. Maybe you should play Minecraft instead, where everyone's sunshine and rainbows. I don't know. When I play that game, I kind of do the same things. <laughs> <laughs> I have well, been what? I have been banned from a particular friend's. Um, server because i would steal his valuable shit whenever i play minecraft it's always and no one steals my shit well i don't play with cameron but but um sorry continue a a creeper usually just blows up my shit so i always make um underground tunnels um that lead to my friend's bases without them knowing and then they'll discover it and they'll be like uh cameron what is this (laughs) like I just got bored. 
what I always do. So I always have a secret tu- secret tunnel, you know, like Avatar. Right. I know that we're jumping a few movies from now, but I'm thinking about Dark Knight, and there's that whole speech Michael Caine gives to Bruce to help him understand the Joker better. He says, when we were in B- Bermuda, and he's going on the story, like, we found him. We found them tossing like the blood diamonds right into the water, you know. And then she's like, "I'm just imagining just like him just talking about like when I was playing Minecraft the other day, somebody built a tunnel leading right to it. And when I found who it was, I just saw him destroying all my coal and all my amber, like you know. <laughs> and he's just like, some people just want to watch the men burn, especially in Minecraft. <laughs> and that that and those some people are, are Cameron Avery." I have other like, friends that are uh, incredibly more ruthless than I am. That like, joke yeah. probably would have been better if I knew Minecraft shit. I never played it. <laughs> that, 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 no, that's a first. I thought you played it. Didn't you? Don't you have it on PlayStation at work? No. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, it must be. Well, let's start a Minecraft server then. Yeah, exactly. I'll show you guys my ways. In 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 2020, let's start a Minecraft server. I mean, it's kind of the perfect year to do it. Yeah. Well, or Animal Crossing, which I need. I haven't picked that up in months. I keep telling yeah, that I will, but like, meh. Neither have I. I actually, I, I actually sold my Switch so I can pick up a Switch Lite. Cause, really? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to get that on Friday. So that, Like the know. the undockable one? Yeah. Cause I, I just wanted one with a... D- I just wanted a Switch with a D-pad because oh. yeah so like a real a, d-pad yeah not, not the singular buttons yeah not those knobs mm-hmm. they're not buttons they're just knobs <laughs> uh but yeah um yeah i think the that wraps up episode 19 batman begins go see it if you or watch it if you haven't seen it and then watch the speech uh, right after yeah for sure um uh, i don't really have anything else to close on uh ryan where can everyone find you on the internet um you could probably find my other podcast old man orange uh we have a website oldmanorange.com with links to all other shows uh i'm also starting a new show called octo rock talk and uh as far as social media stuff i'm on instagram at grit five and my twitter is dunnig is at dunnigan ryan but uh, should be told I've been on my Twitter in a while, but I'll be jumping on that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you can also uh, listen to Cameron on SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you release any new songs? Uh, yeah, I um, kind of had this uh, cool kind of like meditative song that I released um, the other day. Um, trying, to, trying to make more um, stuff that isn't just guitar. But it's hard not to because I'm a guitar player. I'm also on Twitch, um, the Scatmaster. <laughs> um, I stream Sea of Thieves pretty regularly just for fun. If you want to see me steal shit from other people mm-hmm. and give them birthday bombs. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and then you could follow me, watch my shenanigans or look at my shenanigans on Twitter at, at msilverbrand. Uh, trying to start my YouTube channel up again. We'll see. I'm trying to see, figure out what I'm actually going to be doing with that. Uh, not not really going to give that one out yet. So, but just stay tuned. Uh, 
then you could um if you just if you want to reach out to me just reach out to me on twitter and uh be sure to rate and review this podcast because that, that definitely helps out like on itunes and help, helps us rise in the ranks and uh just give us feedback too because uh this podcast this podcast isn't perfect and we definitely would like feedback if we couldn't improve in any way so uh but yeah um I just have to say, just wear a mask, be safe out there. Um, cases are rising every single day. Just be safe and be smart and uh, be nice to everyone. That's basically what I have to say. Uh, my name is Marley Silverbrand. I'm Cameron Avery. And I'm Ryan Dundigan. And we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.